Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to Unfair Sports, where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. I am your host, Jay. Thank you for checking us out. Wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to, please, while you are there, make sure you share, like, subscribe, rate, review, and give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Just give us five anyway and gift it. So on today's episode of Unfair Sports, I'm going to dive right deep in two Davo Sweeney's giving me more ammunition to not really like him Stefan Diggs gets that check we got our question of the week that I want to hear from you all on college basketball predictions and we'll wrap it up and talk a little bit about refs hit us up on the unfair fan line 430-901-1906 and let us know what you think of the show give us your answer to the question of the week as well as your strongest opinions you might end up on the show hit us up 430-901-1906 what is good everybody happy monday this is when you'll be hearing this show Thank you for checking us out. Uh, running solo, didn't get a chance to get the early, the the early weekend episode out. Things came up, of course, life happens, but we're we're starting to get back into the groove of things. And so, want to give you guys some Monday episodes. You'll probably get Monday episodes for the next few weeks, um, as I'll be having go ahead and recording Sunday evenings, knocking out some other stuff. But so much interesting on the docket. Like I mentioned, we'll have some digs conversations about getting that check. We'll talk Dabo Sweeney. Just doing doing stuff. But I want to kind of start off with this. So, had a busy weekend, personally. Uh, my son had a soccer tournament. And so, I was hitting the highways to enjoy that. And totally enjoy watching him play. So much fun as he's growing as a soccer player and his team is growing together. You, you can see that they're starting to mesh well. But it reminded me of one of the reasons why I just really don't like youth sports. It's not the kids. It's really the parents. That's what I mean. So there's a video floating around social media right now of some kids. They're playing basketball. And you can see as the buzzer is about to stop that a group of the players for one of the teams and the coach run up on the ref. And they start all start fighting like they all out jump the ref who ended up with serious injuries because of it in Georgia. And to me, it's like, what the is wrong with people? Why are we taking this stuff so seriously to where you really feel like coaching middle schoolers? These are probably middle schoolers at most that y'all need to fight the ref because y'all mad. 
like as of right now there is a referee shortage in all of you sports and it makes you even think about back to question of referees even going into the pros because they take a ton of abuse for a job that's really hard to do and what makes refereeing so hard is there's only so much you can see but then at the same time everybody else's angles are usually better than theirs they're right there in the mix in the middle and in the thick of things so it's tough to see and so seeing that video just made me be like i see why there's a ref shortage i see why refs don't want to deal with this mess because you got crazy coaches having their players jump a ref they lucky that he wasn't packing that thing and and, and, and we really would have had a problem but Overall, my my big piece with this is, y'all, if, if your kid's playing youth sports, I try to control my tongue throughout it. You know, every once in a while I say, oh, man, it's a bad call. You got to watch out for this. But I, I try not to berate or attack the refs because I understand the difficulties of what they do while at the same time knowing that there's going to be some other person that's going to abuse them. But it was just wild seeing that video. And that's going to be something that's going to be a norm. Like, we're going to see that more often. And that's why, and like I said, that's why you see a shortage in referees. And I think that's why you see a shortage of good refs at the, at the higher level. Like there's so much complaints now about collegiate refs. There's complaints about the professional refs, how they miss this, how they don't see this, how they don't see that. When you got so many people that in a way are interfering with the game, it throws their game off too. Like you think that people don't hear the stuff that y'all yell and say, they hear all of it, every single bit of it. And they're quick to remind you of it. Hey, not paying attention to you and so with them blocking everybody out they that's still the work to block somebody out and not hear them takes away from your focus of everything else that's something to keep in mind it's not that easy to be able to referee pay attention to what's going on in the field while at the same time trying to shut a parent up who's mad because they kid probably did get fouled and you unfortunately missed it because you're watching the ball you know what i'm saying and especially with youth sports they don't have enough refs because people don't want to deal with the abuse that they be getting. And I agree. I am 100% on their side when it comes to that. So if anything I can say, if y'all got kids in sports, man, or if you're a ref, man, praying for you, if you got kids in sports, do me a favor, cut the refs some slack. They probably make like $20 a game. They probably don't want to be there or they're trying to learn how to get better so they can move up. And y'all ain't making it easy for them to want to stay around because why, why you want to deal with abuse when you don't like dealing with people anyway. But from there, question of the week. Hit us up, 430-901-1906. Let me know. You see it on our socials, on our Instagram, at unfair underscore sports. Please follow, as well as on Twitter, at unfair sports. Just one word, no underscore. What is the worst collegiate prediction you've ever done on your bracket? And if you know, how much did it cost you? I'm going to start us off. Uh, 2016, Las Vegas, pretty excited, thought it was going to be a great year. So in 16, I decided to go ahead and throw a little uh, dough on Michigan State to win the whole thing. That was the year they had Denzel Valentine. And I thought that they were going to be a special team. Nothing about them told me they weren't going to be good. Denzel was a monster running things, uh, averaging 19 a game. I mean, Brian Forbes was actually pretty solid. They had a really good team 
to me. Then they get knocked out in the first round by Middle Tennessee as a two seed. 15 seed get knocked out by the two. I mean, 15 seed, number two seed get knocked out by the 15. That was my worst prediction. That was number one on my entire list. Probably the closest one from that would be when I picked, uh, what was that, in the early 2000s? Was that 2004, maybe? Uh... Was that four when Kansas got knocked off by Bucknell in the first round? Let me look real quick. Let me verify if this was the year because, nah, this ain't the year. It wasn't in 2006. Was It, it was one of the early years in Bill Self's. Yeah, 2005 when 14 seed Bucknell knocked off Kansas in Oklahoma City. Kansas was down the street from Lawrence. Well, which is kind of a distance. I think it's like a five-hour drive. They were down in Oklahoma City. Bucknell was definitely traveling further, but they were 14C, knocked off a three. It's always interesting. See, I think it's the best part about the NCAA tournament. And congratulations to Kansas winning the national championship. Bill Self has done some special things there, which is crazy to me that this is his only his second championship there. Talk about that on the other side, but I thought it was that was that was the worst pick for me was picking Michigan State to win as a two seed and they get knocked off. And that makes me think of Duke losing to Mercer. Like, there's so many big upsets in that realm. I mean, and then, we, of course, we finally got a one seed get knocked off by 16. And then that and then that Virginia team the next year went and won the national championship. I mean, that is a crazy rags to riches type story. But It was crazy to me. My favorite part about the NCAA tournament is that you can have certain matchups line up perfectly for certain schools so that those lower seeds can come out and be victorious against a higher seed and and move further and move deeper into the tournament. Like this tournament was, you know, pretty solid. I talked about this before, how much I really enjoyed it. Uh, North Carolina ruining everything for Duke, which warmed my heart. Love to see it. They just weren't a match for Kansas. Kansas was just a better team. Even though they had that big lead going into the half, I thought NC was going to pull it out. But Kansas showed their depth, more players, and they ended. Paolo Banchero showed us that he's going to be a top pick. I don't know how that's going to look, but that's where we're going. But anyway, self. It's fascinating. Played at O-State from Oakmuggie, Oklahoma. Coached around. Started on Larry Brown's coaching staff at Kansas. Got his head coaching job at ORU, Oral Roberts in Tulsa. Then went from there to the University of Tulsa. Had some great years from 97 to 2000 there. And then went to Illinois, which was really crazy with him in Illinois. I don't know if y'all knew this. He coached Deron Williams, who we thought at one point was better than Chris Paul. I know, right? Crazy days. And D Brown to the NCAA tournament. And then like two years later, like he left in 03, he took them in the tourney. He left and went to Kansas. And two years later, that team was the number one team in the country with D will as a junior and D Brown. So Deron Williams, as well as D Brown was doing big things with that Illinois team. And they went deep into the tournament with Bruce Weber. But Bill Self could recruit his butt off. But it's still fascinating to me that he honestly only has 
two championships, 08 and 2022, so a 14-year gap. He's only been to four Final Fours. As many great teams as we've known come out of Kansas and great players that come out of Kansas, this man's only got four regional titles. He's only been to four Final Fours. 08, 12, 18, 22. So it's like every six, four to six years he goes. Actually, every four years it looks like. Damn, that's crazy. Every four years he's going to the Final Four. Of course, he owns the Big 12. He's like the Bob Stoops of in Big 12 for Kansas. You know, it's literally, he's got nine out of the 14 years he's been there. 16 Big 12 regular season titles from 05 to 18. He won it every damn year and only won the tournament nine out of the, which is even crazier. But Bill Self has done some consistency in winning. Now, they are under investigation for rules violations. And I don't know how that's going to go. I'm kind of actually kind of curious to what the verdict's going to be there. But with his resume, Mans is definitely probably going to end up in the hall. Not going to question that. But I think it's just wild that as great of a recruiter as he's been and how great these teams he's put together, that they still ain't winning national titles all the time. That tells you how hard it is. And it makes me appreciate a little bit of some of these other coaches like Roy Williams and Krzyzewski. Krzyzewski. Because their ability to go win multiples like this. I mean, Calipari's got one. Self just passed him now and got his second. Right over there at Villanova has two, and that's the last couple years. Tony was that uh, Tony Bennett finally got his first one after being elim- at, Vill- at Virginia after being eliminated as the only one seed to ever lose to a sixteen. The next year he wins. Just tells you how hard it is to do this job, how difficult it is to to assemble these squads and actually win through. Because in basketball, I mean, just like in football, any given day you can get knocked off by somebody. But congratulations to Kansas. Glad you guys got your title. I just thought it was an interesting nugget that Kansas has only got a second. So that's where that question comes in. I want to know what your worst prediction is. 430-901-1906. Hit us up. Let us know. We'll play those later this week and talk through it with the next week's question for the early week segment. Talk money. I'm here to talk about other people's pocketbooks. I kind of have a thing for it. But at the same time, I'm also fascinated by when players get these true opportunities to get a check. And our boy Stefan Diggs is the next one on that list. So Diggs just got himself a big contract extension. And He's added, he had two years left on his deal, and he added four years and $96 million to his $25 million that's already there. So he gets to be just like your Devontae Adams, your Tyree Kill, all of them getting these fat checks. So 
let's look at this. This is the question that I have for you listeners and something I want to talk through. Was it a good idea for Buffalo to pay him? I don't know. Now, I'll say they got, they've gotten a lot out of him in these two years that he's been there because since he's been there, Josh Allen's become a monster. We can't pretend like everything Josh has done has just been himself. Yes, he's worked his ass off to get better. But having Stephon Diggs as your wide receiver, dude had 127 catches for 1,500 yards his first year there. And that's when we saw the emergence of Josh Allen. That's when he was running for 400 yards, eight touchdowns. He was throwing that ball. Stupid good. Because the year before, 2019, right before they got Diggs, with the wide receiver they had, I mean, John Brown gave him 72 catches for 1,060. But Josh Allen did not look like he does today. Like he kind of looked, and I'm looking at his passing stuff now, 58% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, nine picks. They went 10 and six, which isn't bad. But Josh Allen isn't who he is today with out Stefan Diggs. So for them, they felt like they had to. Michael Thomas got his money when he was with Drew Brees. We see Julio get eight bajillion extensions. But one thing that we've learned is that when a lot of these wide receivers get these big checks, they don't lead to teams winning these chips. It's truly about that quarterback and then what you can surround with them. Once you start paying everybody around the quarterback, once you start paying your quarterback, you got to start paying other people around them, but then you the ones you need to keep to go with them, the complimentary pieces, you got to start replacing that's where you're going to start seeing these new wide receivers come in. You're going to start seeing new defensive players, new offensive linemen, and all of that. You can't afford everybody like you think you should, like you want to. And so Diggs' contract, they're pointing out, I read an article in the, uh, in the um, what's this, the Buffalo's Rambling, talking about how this extension has opened up money for them when they signed him. He cleared $6 million in cap space for them this year. So that cap restructuring helps the team be able to go pick up those additional players. But now you got to play this big game. So a lot of people in their eyes, the NFL's cap is a myth. It doesn't exist. I can't argue against it. Reason I can't argue against it is because the way that these teams manipulate them, but that's what it is. That's why you have like a capologist on your staff somebody that understands the numbers and be able to finagle things because you basically just push all of that money. That's old down, down, down. You kick the the can down the road. And then eventually you got to pay that money and you'll have the space to be able to do it and not worry. It's like forever pushing money down, especially once this new TV deal kicks in. Talked about this before on the show. New TV deal, they'll make about $11 billion instead of the $9 billion, so an additional $2 billion. The cap should jump more. It's like $200 million right now. It should probably jump to like $250 or something. So that's that extra money that you can leverage to pay off some of that debt you got <laughs> from all those cap hits 
for pushing people's contracts down. Like, I'm not going to get too deep into the capology stuff on it. I'll do that one show one of these days and kind of explain how all that cap stuff works. I'm still studying it because it's really confusing. But for the most part, it's transitioning money from from base salary to signing bonus, paying it up front to where you can spread it long term. I'll talk more, like I said, in detail about that on another show. But when you pay these players like Stephon Diggs, this is something to recognize and pay attention to even with your favorite team, you'll see that signing other players becomes a problem. Like my Buccaneers, for example, we're able to get Leonard Fournette back. We're trying to figure out the linebackers. Um, Godwin and Evans got their money. We don't have to pay Antonio Brown no more, which is a good thing. Uh, they're going to try to bring Gronk back. But if Brady didn't come back, we still his money still would have hit our cap. We still would have owed that. And we would have been short basically money wise with everybody else. That's when you start to see these teams struggle. Like the Saints figure it out every year. They figure out ways to manipulate the cap to where they can keep themselves competitive, which I applaud them for. But at some point, the chickens are to come home to roost. And you have to ask yourself. Is it worth paying this wide receiver or this running back who could by chance get hurt and not be able to produce or get doubled and tripled and not be able to do their portion and nobody else is able to step up and handle the additional pressure on them? Is it worth it? Like you saw the Titans traded for Julio Jones. They just cut him. They recognize he didn't help them. He didn't move the needle. Titans fans, if you if they're listening, they're mad. They were mad at me when we did the video on it. I can go back to YouTube page and point it out. They're pissed when I said that he didn't move the needle for them. They were a contender, and he does not change anything. And he didn't. He did not make it possible. The, I mean, the biggest problem outside of the fact that Julio Jones was there, the quarterbacks were on Tannehill. We'll get into that another day, but I'm talking about this Diggs and Josh Allen piece. I get why they paid him additional money. Because honestly, without him on the roster, I don't think we get this Josh Allen that we got. I think he is a a direct correlation to Josh Allen getting better. Because when you have a wide receiver that runs the routes and plays the game the way Stephon Diggs does, he he makes up the mistakes that your quarterback could potentially throw. Josh could throw a really bad ball at Stephon Diggs, and he could find a way to catch it. That's something that all quarterbacks need. They're almost erasers for them. Like, even with Patrick Mahomes. The, the fascinating thing is going to be this season when Patrick Mahomes is playing without Tyreek Hill. If there's anything I'm truly interested in seeing, it's what he's going to look like next year. I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes was made by Tariq Hill, but Tariq Hill made his job easier. He made an impact in what Patrick Mahomes could do. He could fling stuff a lot easier when you have a wide receiver that's so much faster than everybody else that you just get to a spot and that dude gets there. You got to have the accuracy to get it there. But at the same time, if you throw a bad ball, as long as you throw it ahead of him and it's a bad ball, he might get it. And I think that's something here with even Josh Allen is that Diggs not only takes attention away from other receivers, but Diggs also finds a way to make ridiculous catches. Like, look at the numbers. As soon as he got Diggs, you saw a different quarterback in every way, shape, or form. And it's not saying that Josh Allen wouldn't have got better without him. I'm just pointing out the fact that 
Diggs, even though his production went down, 103 for 1,200 yards, he had 10 touchdowns, he had almost as many targets. Now, I think it was more of a situation where everybody was keying in on him because they did, they knew that he was going to be an important play in everything that Josh Allen was doing, especially after the year before that he had in Buffalo. So I'm hoping that the money that they gave him, I'm glad that they opened up cap. I'm curious to what it's see. I think next year is their year where they have to make a long run. And they've got to get over the um, over the Kansas City hump next season. Because once that the chickens come home to roost, financially they're gonna have some problems. And that's when things go downhill. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. Let me go ahead and argue. Hey, hit us up, Unfair Fan Line, 430-901-1906, and answer that question for me. What is the worst bracket prediction that you've ever made? And how much did it cost you? I don't even want to talk about how much it cost me in Vegas that year when I picked Michigan State to win it all. That wasn't a very... The trip was still fine, but... Boy, did I make a mistake. So, let's talk about college a little bit before I let this go. Dabo Sweeney. Oh, man. I've gotten... I'm not going to say that I hate the man. Can't say that. That's that, that would be way too strong. I'm starting to slowly, slowly not like him in a lot of ways. I think what got me to feel displeasure with him, that's, that's probably a good way, of saying it is when he made the comments about when they start paying players that he's going to find something else to do. So basically he said he's going to quit because he don't feel like players should be pay- paid. And then of course we got a article of an interview today on e- recently on ESPN. Dabo tells us that he is not for He thinks that college football needs to be blown up completely. As in, he thinks that everything's out of control. So here's a quote that he tells Chris Lover is PN. Think there's going to be a complete blow up, especially in football, and there needs to be. So when he tells ESPN, I think every eventually there will be some type of break. And another division. Right now, you've got everyone in one group, and it's not feasible. Alabama has different problems than Middle Tennessee, but we're trying to make them all the same, and it's just not. I think you'll have 40 or 50 teams and a commissioner, and and here are the rules. This system is a mess currently, and there's some things I agree with him in this entire article. came out April 8th. I do agree that we try to keep Alabama's and Tennessee's on the same level when they're not Alabama's Alabama, middle Tennessee's middle Tennessee. There's nothing about the two where things are truly even, you know what I'm saying? 
Each one have different budgets. Each one that had honestly different missions. But the thing that bothers me is, is that he's upset about the transfer portal and NIL. Now, he's not against NIL, but he's also said that he doesn't want player. He don't want education to be quote unquote devalued. Now, this is where my issue comes in with Dabo Sweeney. Where in anything that's going on with this, do you see here or believe that education is being devalued if you pay the players? Now, of course, Dabo people, fans, and his apologists hopped deep into the tweets, mentions for anybody that's talked about this of saying that players shouldn't be paid. There's one thing that I'm a big advocate for. Players getting that check. They're basically playing for free. If you think a degree is worthy of what they do, it ain't. Most kids that get college degrees, that get like scholarships and free rides, ain't bringing in the school millions of dollars. There's a lot of kids that get a scholarship and they can go out and get a job, make extra money. Music students can put out albums, go play in orchestras, bring in bread and get paid for it. But college athletes can't because of the fear that boosters will will just pay them under the table to convince them to come to their school. Now I get that. I understand that fear. I also think it's stupid. Because I don't think I see a problem with boosters at schools that want to be good at sports to do it. Because we're doing it now. It's no different than what's already happening in today's college football, even before NIL. You've if you've listened to me for years, you've heard me say this. If you're new, here's the deal. College football's biggest problem, collegiate sports in general's biggest problem, is that they're allowed to have boosters put all their money into schools to build bigger buildings, bigger statues, bigger everything around the sport without paying the people that's actually participating in the sport. The coaches can make hundreds of million dollar contracts, but the players can't get anything. They can't even get a free meal outside of campus. Which makes no sense to me. Your coach, Dabo makes $10 million a year. He ain't giving that money back. Why? Because he feels like he deserves it. He earned it. And this is where I think it's silly that he feels like you're devaluing the education by paying people. This is what he says. I'm against anything that devalues education, Sweeney says. That's what I'm against. I am for every anything that incentivizes education. People will come after me because I've always said that I'm against the professionalism of collegiate athletes, and I am. Kids don't know what they don't know. That's a slippery slope if you professionalize college athletics, and now you've got salaries and taxes, and you can fire kids on the spot, and they've got to pay their own tuition. They pay for their housing and everything else. Athletic directors will sign up for that in a heartbeat. They'd save money. All right, so let me go ahead and and break down some of the BS behind that. First off, devaluing education 
paying the players does not devalue education at all. They're still going to the school to play. And they still got to go to the classes to play. Pay them incentivizes them to go to your school over another. But that's not devaluating devaluing the education because they're sticking to education. Let's put it to you like this. Majority of collegiate athletes in the major sports, the major sports, which if you want me to be honest, there are three. Men's basketball, I'm sorry, football, men's basketball, women's basketball. That's your big three. Because in those three, you are required to either go to college or be removed for a certain amount of years from high school before you can go pro. You can't just go pro. Baseball, you can go pro straight out of high school. They'll stick you in the minors, you train your way up, and you go in. Hockey, you can go play in the the ECHL, the, the AHL. You can go play in the minors, work your way up into the majors. For those sports that have majors, soccer, you can go straight to the pros right afterwards. I'm, we, we've seen 14-year-olds <laughs> play in the pros. Free and dudes one I think about all the time when I was younger. You can go straight to the pros at a young age. Only in those three sports, you're required to go to college to play. And it's mainly because those three sports make the most money in college. Those three. And so you're devaluing education. It's not. Let's think about this. Mike Golick Jr. said this on Twitter, and I told him I'm stealing this for the pod because I thought it was a fantastic statement. And this is basically what he said. If there are people, if there are people who are seriously concerned about with being educators as opposed to just bothered by change, wouldn't an appropriate response be that this is an incredible opportunity, incredible in all caps, for these young people to learn about financial literacy in a safe environment? Ding, 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 ding. It is 100% exactly that. This is why. Dabo's statement around. You got salaries and taxes. You can fire kids on the spot. They do it with coaches right now. It wouldn't be any different in their system. You act like they have to do something different. They don't. And they got to pay for their tuition. They got to pay for their housing and everything else. No, they won't. Because if a kid negotiates with you and say, sure, I will gladly come play for you. This is what the cost is going to be. This is going to, and you're also going to have to cover this, this, and this. Guess what's going to happen? The school's going to cover it. Lincoln Riley, we talk about, there's, there was an article about Lincoln Riley's home, how he has in LA when he moved and went to USC. That USC's paying for it. Remember when the boosters paid for the house, for Nick Saban, paid his house off? Yeah. All of that stuff will be covered. All of that. That's not going to happen. ADs aren't going to be stupid enough to say, you know what? Since we're paying you, we're going to take away all these benefits. Guess what these kids are going to say? Okay, I talked to this guy at this school, and guess what they said? They will pay for us. I'm going to go ahead and go somewhere else. So, no, free market capitalism. It's funny because everybody's all about free market capitalism for the, for me, not for the. They want it for themselves. Like, he talks about his salaries and all the salary that they're making. Yeah, you know, 
we we're mar- free market capitalism. So you know we're we earn this right to be able to do that. So why haven't the kids? Can anybody tell me why the kids haven't earned this? Earn this right to be able to do this? Earn the right to be able to negotiate their own salaries? Maybe have a players union, maybe not. Why are we saying that paying them waters down their education? How? I, no one can tell me how it does that. Well, they're only going to come here for money. They only come to the schools for money now. The difference is it's not because of the check. It's because of the facilities. The money that these schools take and they make and they get boot uh, private donations from boosters on, they put it into the facilities to recruit kids to come to the school. The whole selling point of going to a Clemson, of going to an Alabama, to going to an Oklahoma, a Notre Dame, a Texas, is the facilities. That is what they sell. That's what coaches sell on the recruiting trail. You go in there and you see all these pretty stuff, and that's how you win them. Oklahoma State, perfect example. Dumpster fire. Team Boo Pickett said he wants them to be better. Built beautiful facilities. I've walked through the facilities before. They're amazing. And guess what? They were in number two in the nation this year at one point. They won the Big 12 this year. They've been competitive just about every year that Gundy's been there. They're recruiting off the back of what amenities are available. That's how that works. Most players, the top ones, would not go to college if they did not have to. I got some pushback when I tweeted that out a while back. And I don't care what y'all say. Nobody will because the NFL wouldn't allow it. No shit, Sherlock. I know that. The NFL doesn't allow it. That's my point. If the NFL did allow it, guess what? A lot of your top players, the ones that are the top of the top, the ones that did not go to college for a degree, would not show up at your school. And you would have never seen them in college. Trevor Lawrence would have been in the NFL four years ago. Adrian Peterson would have been in the NFL. Tommy Harris, when he was in Oklahoma, would have been in the NFL. Jadavion Clowney. You got certain players in college that were in college. You're like, man, that dude is like leaps and bounds better than everybody else. They would have never went to college because they wouldn't have had to. They could have developed in the NFL. The NFL could have put them right there in the system and got them going. But they don't. They want them to go there because they want them to, they want to leverage college because it's free development. So if a kid flames out in college, they ain't got to worry about him flaming out in the NFL because they paid him millions. But that system needs to go. I want the NFL to let some of these kids go pro from high school. Let scouts and GMs show you how smart they are, that they won't let a kid come to the pros when they know that there's nowhere, they're nowhere near ready. Let's do that. And if you got a man child out there, let that man go to the pros. Round spot. Call it a day. NBA. Knock out this one and done rule. Go ahead and let high schoolers come back in and bring back the years of a whole bunch of high school kids running around and the team sucking. We're used to it at this point. Let's do it. We do it with Euros all the time. They come straight out of high school at 18 years old and they're they booty. And then they start to develop some game later. I mean, Luca's an exception, but at the same time, Luca can't not be suspended because he always getting texts because he whines all the time. But that's not the point. My point is a lot of these kids would not be at college if they didn't have to, if they weren't required to do it. 
if the XFL and the USFL puts together the proper system, a lot of these kids will probably go there instead of college and make money, then go pro. If it's developed right. Now, that's, that's the one thing I would love the XFL to do. Rock, if you're listening to me, make the XFL a development league for the pros. Pay these kids 100000 a year, 200000 a year, and as it, as it grows, start paying them half a million a year to come play for y'all instead of going to college. Then they can go to the NFL draft three years later. Unless the XFL does a really good job and they market themselves to where they can start paying these kids even more money and they don't want to leave. I'm, a, I'm there for that. Give me that. I'm tired of this conversation around. I get the struggle with the transfer portal because they need to adjust your rosters for that. But this mess around watering down their education because you're paying them stupid. And I don't care if you want to argue with me, hit me at four, three, zero, nine, zero, one, one, nine, oh six. Let me know where I'm wrong because I promise you, you can't, you can't argue. You can't argue with me. You, you, you're not going to be able to tell me I'm wrong. This is one hill I will die on forever. So hit me up if you think you've got something. 430-901-1906. Oh, I appreciate y'all listening to me ramble and argue about college sports. Thank you for checking us out here on Unfair Sports, where we're trying to take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. I appreciate y'all listening to me today. Hope you guys have a fantastic Monday. So, for Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for staying up late with me and helping me out here on this evening. Have another show later this week. Plan on recording probably either Wednesday night or Thursday. Should we have a show either Thursday or Friday? Just look it out. It will be there. We're going to talk about the NBA play-ins. Got another question of the week for you. And whatever recordings you guys give me, we'll play them bad boys too. So, with that, I will chop it up with y'all in a few days. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.